Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and has revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and the faithfulness of Israel, and all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clasp their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people with equity. Good morning, how are you all? You're well? Uh, brothers and sisters, it is great to be able to gather together and hear God speak through his word. I want you to have your Bible open as we work our way through Psalm 98 together. Why don't I pray and ask for God's help? Father in heaven, we do give you thanks and praise that you speak. And Father, help us to hear. Father, help us to hear your word, the word of your son, Jesus. And Father, we ask as we hear of him that we might rejoice. Prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you listen to the advertisers, one thing you should be feeling this Christmas is joy. Are you feeling it? You're feeling the joy? Um, Cadbury are telling us that we should, this Christmas, unwrap joy. Isn't that a great little bit of advertising? So you just unwrap the purple and all of a sudden you'll find joy within Westfield Shopping Centres, uh, they've got a little tagline at the moment, which is, all we see is joy. That's a family fighting over a Westfield gift card, just letting you know. Uh, so all we see is joy. Go to a Westfield Shopping Centre and you can find joy. Maybe not in the car park. That's my experience. <laughs> Amazon. Amazon have put together this Christmas advert, uh, which was actually, they spent a fair bit of money on this. Uh, does anyone here, you've heard of Taika Waititi, the director? He directed the recent Thor movies. He directed this advert for Amazon. And um, it's an incredible little film. It's about a dad who's making Christmas really special for his daughter. I'm going to say I thought it was well-crafted. It was really sentimental and a little bit manipulative. And the tagline is, joy is made. Uh, he actually made joy with all this stuff you can buy at Amazon. Isn't that great? Just purchase online, joy can be delivered. Joy, joy, joy. That's what you should be feeling this Christmas. Are you feeling it? Well, if you aren't, you can get it delivered by Amazon, just letting you know. Now, I hope I don't come across too much as a Christmas grump this morning, but I don't buy that kind of joy. That kind of joy, the joy that the advertisers offer us, does not last that long. It's lucky to last past Christmas lunch, let alone into January. If you're actually looking for joy, we need something that's a bit more solid, something that lasts. If you want joy that survives the ups and downs of life, you need more than tinsel and wrapping paper. Psalm 98 
is this invitation to sing for joy, actually more than that, to sing with everything you have. Because there is something worth singing about. And here's one of the wonderful things about this psalm. As we work our way through it, I hope that we see it actually reminds us of why it is that we should sing for joy. So if you're feeling joyless this Christmas, as we're heading into Christmas, you're struggling to sing Christmas carols with any real conviction, I hope Psalm 98 reminds you of why it is that you can rejoice. Now, it's kind of strange to have a psalm in the lead-up to Christmas as part of our Advent, Advent series, but the reason I've chosen this psalm is because it was turned into a famous Christmas carol. Um, Isaac Watts took Psalm 98 and he turned it into joy to the world. Maybe you've heard of that one before. Um, and this psalm, even though it is a song of the Old Testament, it's a song of the people of Israel, Watts quite rightly saw that this psalm, this psalm finds its fulfilment, its best expression in the coming of the person of Jesus. It's there that you see joy. Now, if you've got your Bibles open, uh, we're going to dig our way into this psalm. And before we dig right into it, let me just kind of step back, if you've got it open in front of you, and show you the whole structure. Uh, you might notice it's organised into three paragraphs. Do you see them there on the page? Three different stanzas for this psalm. And as you work your way through the psalm, the joy just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. They're these kind of concentric circles that just get bigger and they keep on being expanded. In the first stanza, verses 1 to 3, Israel are told to sing. Notice in the second stanza, verses 4 and following, it goes wider. It's all the earth. Every nation is invited to join the choir. And then finally, it goes wider again. All creation, everyone who lives in it, Everyone is called on to sing for joy. All right, so what are the reasons that we're given for joy? Come with me to the first stanza, verses 1 to 3. The first reason is quite simply because God has saved his people. In those first few verses, we're told that God has done marvellous things. He saved. And the psalmist talks about how God saved with his right hand and his holy arm. God has shown some muscle in saving his people as he's decisively acted to save them. So because of that, sing for joy. Sing for joy. When he saved his people, the psalmist goes on to say, God was just remembering his covenant to his people Israel. He was remembering his promise and he made good on his word. So sing for joy. Our God saves. He's remembered the covenant. Now, the psalmist doesn't actually tell us which particular act of salvation uh, he's referring to, which one he's thinking about. Is it the Exodus, where God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt? Is it some battle that Israel had won? Is it maybe the return for ex from exile? We're not told. But the psalmist simply says, rejoice, because we can look back and see that salvation has been won for us. As the psalmist looks back to God's salvation of his people, he rejoices that God has acted. He's intervened in the history of the world to save his people and that is something that you can build your joy on. 
Now, friends, I want to say this morning, as we're thinking about Christmas and we're, we're in this Advent season, let me say that when Jesus enters the world, there is the coming of, well, God's decisive moment of salvation, his decisive act of salvation. Jesus comes, we're told, to save his people from their sins. And as you work your way through the nativity accounts, they are full of, quite naturally, people rejoicing because God is going to save. It's full of praise to God. Just to take one example, uh, do you remember Simeon? Uh, that old saint who'd been waiting for salvation to come. Remember how he sings praise to God and he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. You see, we can rejoice like the psalmist because you and I this morning can look back to God's decisive act of salvation in Jesus. We look back to Christmas and we see that God has acted in time and space to save. And I want to suggest to you this morning that that is something firm to build your joy on. That is something solid and lasting. God has saved. It is clear he sent his son Jesus to do it. Now, years ago, there was a website uh, that went under the name happier.com. I think the domain has been sold now. But this website was this place where they would glean the wisdom of some of the greatest thinkers of our age and they'd put it together on how you could find happiness. So they had the wisdom of Vice President Al Gore. They had uh, the Dalai Lama, people like them. They'd summarised all of their thoughts into how you could find, even today, happiness. Uh, I'm going to hit you with the summary, all right? This is so that you know the summary of how you can find happiness today. Here's number one. Be in possession of the basics. Food, shelter, good health and safety. All right, have you got those? Okay, be in possession of the basics. Two, get enough sleep. All right? Three, have relationships that matter to you. Four, take compassionate care of others and of yourself. Five, have work that interests you and engages you. Now, I hope that you're sitting there going, hang on, that is just plain ridiculous. I hope you're sitting there thinking that. Imagine that saying that to the millions of people who right now are living on the streets. Hey, if you guys want to be happy, you've got to do something about getting shelter. Or imagine saying to a new parent, Hey, if you really want some happiness, you need to be getting yourself more sleep. Come on. For the billions of people who live around us, this is simply beyond their grasp. And I've got to say, as you look through those five things in that list, some of them will come and go through life, won't they? For the rest of us, we know that those things are ephemeral. They disappear. They don't last. But the psalmist sings about a different kind of joy a different kind of happiness, something that is built on what God has done. So it's real, it's tangible, it's personal, it's lasting. God has stepped down into this world to save. Jesus came in time and space. He was born, he lived, he died for our salvation and he's risen again. That is something firm that you can build joy on. 
Now, a little while ago, I was uh, reading a book about the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, if you don't know who he is, Bonhoeffer was uh, a German theologian who lived during the time of the Second World War. Uh, and if you don't know the story, he was implicated in a plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler. Uh, he was arrested, he was imprisoned and spent quite a few years in prison. And tragically, he was killed just in the last days of the war, just before the end of the war by the Nazi regime. His letters from prison, I've got a, a book of them, they make for some pretty moving reading. Uh, there's one particular letter that he writes to his fiancée, Maria, during Christmas. He simply writes this. I think we're going to have a great Christmas, an exceptionally good Christmas. The very fact that every outward circumstance precludes our making provision for it will show whether we can be content with what is truly essential. I used to be very fond of thinking up and buying presents, but now that we have nothing to give, the gift God gave us in the birth of Christ seems all the more glorious. And I've got to say it goes on in that kind of vein. It's a bit stoic in the face of hardship, yes, but I've got to tell you, it is clear that he's not talking about the kind of joy that you buy at Amazon. He's not talking about the kind of joy that comes from getting the perfect gift at Westfield. He's actually talking about something that transcends that. Joy, because God has saved in his son Jesus. He's given his great gift. Friends, there's a second reason for rejoicing in this psalm, and that is that the whole world gets to rejoice in God's salvation. Come back to the psalm with me. At times, as you're reading the psalm, you, you could start thinking to yourself, is this really only for the people of Israel? But I think as you work your way through the psalm, there are hints that there is more than that in view. Have a look at verse 2. God's salvation and righteousness have been revealed to the nations. Verse 3, all the ends of the earth have seen his salvation. And so, verse 4, shout for joy, all the earth. Literally, it's saying, go crazy, go nuts, for joy, all the earth. Sing for joy, because God saves. The psalmist here wants everyone to join in Israel's song and rejoice that God saves. Now, if you've never been to the AFL, let me tell you what happens at the end of every AFL game. Uh, they normally play the song of the victorious team, right? The winner gets their little moment in the sun. Uh, for the Brisbane, Brisbane Lions, their, their team song starts like this. We are the pride of Brisbane town. We wear maroon, blue and gold. We will always fight for victory and so on and so forth. It's to the tune of the La Marseillaise, if you know the French national anthem. It's really terrible. Uh, but anyway, they sing the team song together after they've, they, they've, they've won. And there's this certain kind of vibe that comes with the song. I don't know how to describe it apart from it has a kind of a, a, a vibe of na 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 na, we won, you didn't. Let me say that this psalm, Psalm 98, is not a song like that. This is a song of victory and the whole earth is being invited to sing, to sing for joy because Israel's God saves and that salvation spills over to all nations, so sing for joy. Now, in Matthew's Gospel, uh, when Jesus is born, the nations come to see him. Now, I'm uh, talking here about this, this time when the Magi, do you remember the wise men? 
They come from the east, we're told, from a postcode far outside of Bethlehem. They come to meet the new king of the Jews. And they're searching for this new king. They're wanting to worship him, they said. Now, the point of having the Magi in the Christmas story at all is not that they show us that we should be giving Christmas gifts at Christmas time. That's not the point. The point is that all the nations are invited to come and meet and worship the Saviour, the King. Now, today, I am really pleased by the fact that we have believers here from South Korea and Brazil and Indonesia and China and from really exotic places like Kapalabar. Maybe you've heard of it. It's good that you're here because you can join us as we sing, and we're going to sing later today, sing for joy because God saves. The third and final thing that this psalm tells us is that we rejoice because God is the judge. Did you hear that? We rejoice because God is the judge. Were you expecting that? Does that seem like a thing to be joyful for? But that's what the psalm says. Come to verse 7 with me. The whole creation is told to rejoice. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, that the rivers clap their hands, that the mountains sing together for joy. Everything in creation is told to sing. But then verse 9, let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Rejoice! Because the king comes to judge. How does that hit you this morning? Uh, Emma's family, they had a, a farm and they had all the, the gear on the farm that farmers have, the massive tractor, uh, the quad bikes, and a 300-year-old Land Rover. And uh, this Land Rover had the world's noisiest gearbox. Every time you changed gears, you wondered if something had fallen off the car, right? That was the way it sounded. I reckon these verses might strike us as a bit of a gear change like that. Rejoice, go crazy all the earth, because judgment's coming. Now, it might seem like a terrible thing to say that God would judge. It might seem like not the kind of thing that you might talk about at Christmas time. But this passage tells us that that's a reason for rejoicing. And I want to say, here's the reason why you should rejoice. Here's why we should rejoice that God is judge. Friends, you don't have to look too hard to realise that our world is in disorder and chaos. Do you not turn on the news sometimes and wonder how everything is going to be fixed? I mean, here's the news from the last little while. The Ukraine and Russia. Do you remember that? That's going on. Brittany Higgins, do you remember her? Did justice come, do you think, there? What about those police in Tara? Does, is justice going to come for them? How is any of all of this mess that is our world going to be fixed? There is so much injustice, there is so much that is wrong in our world that never gets fixed, and it's not just in the news, is it? It's also in our lives. We know the pain of broken relationships. We know the hurt of injustice. Does any of that get sorted out? Well, I've got good news for you. News you can actually rejoice in. We can rejoice that God comes to judge. That Jesus will return and all things will be put right. 
I think the psalmist here points forward to a day when the king comes as judge and he does not bring the justice of the online mob or the justice of this world. He brings real justice. He judges with righteousness and equity, we're told. And that is such good news. We're told to rejoice. All creation is called on to rejoice. Verse 7, come back there with me, the sea sings. Verse 8, the rivers clap their hands and the mountains sing for joy. Now, I'm not really sure how a river claps its hands, but, but they are commanded here to rejoice because the king comes to put things right. Now, actually, in the Bible, uh, we are told that nature... Uh, nature is, is waiting and longing for that moment, for things to be put right. You might remember Paul speaking in Romans chapter 8. He talks about creation waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. It, it's waiting for this day where it's liberated from its bondage to decay. I hope you can hear it. Here is creation waiting, waiting for that moment where God returns, justice is brought, and this world is all put right. And friends, when we look at our world and we see sickness and disease and bushfires and heat and injustice and suffering and pain, we can see why it is that creation is longing for Jesus to return, for all of that to be put right. And so... Rejoice. Now, when he wrote Joy to the World, Isaac Watts wrote, He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. See, what is looking forward, Watts is looking forward to that moment where Jesus returns and everything is finally put, put right for all nations and all of creation. Now, let me just say, I think Isaac Watts was right to read this psalm in light of what was coming in the Lord Jesus. Joy to the world, the Saviour has come. Now today, for those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus, remember that this Christmas. There is great joy on offer because of what God has done. Now friends, in the middle of all the Christmas busyness, I don't want you to miss that. And please don't go and buy the advertiser's promise of joy. That won't last actually see again clearly joy that is yours because of Jesus. That is good reason to rejoice. That is good reason to sing. Rejoice. A little later we're going to sing and I want to encourage you uh, when we sing, uh, don't sing Christmas carols half-heartedly with all the rejoicing of children being forced to do their homework. Sing them with joy because Christmas is about real, tangible lasting joy, joy worth singing about. But let me say there's also probably another group of people here today, those of us who are still working out who Jesus is and what he's all about and for you, let me just say, I hope you can see that there is reason for joy at Christmas. It's found in Jesus. And that real and lasting joy is there to be had. I don't want to invite you to come and share it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you for your son, Jesus. And Father, we ask that you might help us to build our joy on him and to find joy in him. We pray this in his powerful name. Amen.